Good morning, friends. We have been walking through the book of Mark since the first Sunday of 2020, and we could not have even imagined where we would be three months later. But I think that we need the book of Mark and this crescendo toward Jesus' death and resurrection now more than ever. And, and I think we're seeing more than ever why Jesus had to die, why Jesus had to rise again, and why Jesus promised to come back to make all things new. And simply, it's that the world is broken and it needs to be remade. We need to be remade. <clears throat> we live in this world where bodies can be overtaken by viruses and die. We live in this world where our lives can be overtaken with sin and separate us from God. But the God who made us and who made the world decided in his mercy and his grace to, to provide a way for us to be remade. And, and to be reconciled and to live with freedom and joy and hope. And that way involves Jesus, who is God in the flesh, dying in our place, rising in our place, and promising to come again and renew all things forever. Today we're in Mark 14, and we already had a chance to remember Jesus through our celebration of communion. So I want to focus on the scene that happens right after Jesus eats the Lord's Supper with his disciples, uh, the Last Supper with his disciples. And after that meal, they head out and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. So let's read about that, starting in Mark 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The first thing that's striking in this passage, I think, is the depth of Jesus' struggle. The words that Mark uses, that Jesus is deeply distressed, and troubled, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. These words and phrases are extremely rare in the New Testament. And, and then combined uniquely in the scene to describe the, the deep, unparalleled agony that Jesus is experiencing. It's really the greatest moment of agony in all of the scriptures, really of all time, because Jesus is not only facing imminent arrest and humiliation and torture and death, but he is also facing this reality of being forsaken by God the Father in order to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus pleads with the Father, take this cup from me. 
And by that, he means the cup of God's judgment against sin and evil, the cup of God's purpose and will to deal with sin and evil through the death of a representative. And Jesus cries out for Father to take that cup away from him because he realizes that he is that representative and he is the one who is appointed within God's plan to bear the weight of sin and evil and to let it kill him. So he's agonizing and he's overwhelmed by all of this and yet he still manages to say, not what I want, but what you will. And then in the midst of this immense struggle, he asks his friends and disciples one thing. He says, stay up and watch with me. Mike touched on this some last week, since watch is a key word in chapter 13. But basically the word watch represents the core attitude, posture, action that Jesus desires for his followers, for his disciples. So when Jesus says, keep watch, he means be committed to me. Fix your eyes on me. Be in this with me. Be aware of what's going on. Be attentive to the situation. Shift your eyes off yourself and fix your eyes on the bigger story. And three times, Jesus pleads with his disciples, keep watch with me. And three times, they fail. Mark tells us why the disciples can't do it. Um, They're physically exhausted. He says it's been a grueling week for them. People are out to get Jesus. They're out to get the disciples. They had just celebrated the Passover meal and shared some wine. It's late at night. They're tired. They're exhausted. They can't do what Jesus is asking. They can't even keep their eyes open. But on top of that, the disciples, I think, are spiritually exhausted. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. They had confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, but it was hard for them to see where this whole story was going. They're confused about it. Jesus had been saying and doing radical things. He's been predicting his death. He's been predicting their betrayal and their denial. And the load of all of this is exhausting for them. It's spiritually exhausting. The text even says in verse 40, they did not know what to say to him. They were exhausted and speechless and at the end of the rope. And I wonder if any of you feel that way this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm not sleeping very well. I wake up most mornings feeling pretty groggy, and it's not not a great way to dive into a day full of shifting work schedules and online school and everything else that these days are bringing at us. Uh, but not only that, I'm feeling this, this um, deep underlying weight and burden for, for people I love, for people who are hurting, people who are isolated, for those who are particularly vulnerable, for healthcare workers, for people who've lost their jobs, for those whose home situations are difficult, for everyone who doubts or wonders, like, where is God in all of this? I'm, I'm burdened by that. Um, and whatever level of, of exhaustion you're currently feeling, or you will, perhaps, in days to come and weeks, weeks ahead, there is incredibly good news for the exhausted in Jesus. And we see that in this text. The first thing, the first part of that good news is that Jesus, who is both fully God and fully human, experienced and knows both our physical exhaustion and our spiritual exhaustion. Do you think that Jesus was just as exhausted as the disciples in the garden? Yeah, I mean, probably more so. 
do you think Jesus was experiencing as much spiritual exhaustion and confusion as the disciples? I think probably more so. I mean, Jesus knows exactly what we're going through when we're exhausted at every level, which means God knows what you're experiencing right now. And by the Spirit, he is with you, and he is with you in the midst of that physical exhaustion and the spiritual exhaustion. That is good news for my exhausted body and soul. But the second part is even better news, that our friendship with God does not depend on how well we keep watch with Jesus. Jesus wants us to keep watch with him. Ultimately, he frees us to keep watch with him. But our relationship with God, our friendship with God, is not based on our ability to do that. After this scene in the garden, Jesus was arrested and tortured, and then he suffered and, and died horribly from crucifixion, and he did that so that you and I and everyone who believes can be friends with God through him, not by our effort, not on our own, but as a gift from him. It's because Jesus acted as your representative and that then by grace that we can be saved through faith. It's not from us, it's a gift from God, like Paul says in Ephesians 2. Now this coming Friday is often called Good Friday, and that's not meant to sweep past the horror and the agony that Jesus is experiencing. But calling uh, Tenebrae or Good Friday good is just to say that through the horror of the cross and the victory of the resurrection, God accomplished what we could not, which is this ability to live in reconciled relationship, first with God and then each other and the rest of the world. And that is good news for the exhausted. So let me repeat. My friendship with God, your friendship with God, it does not depend on how well we keep watch with Jesus today or tomorrow or how we're following Jesus in the day-to-day. -day. Our friendship with God depends on the definitive work of Jesus on our behalf, which is a free gift. And when we're weak and exhausted and failing to keep watch with Jesus, we need to receive that gift over and over and over again. And then Actually, by his spirit, God sets us free. We're set free to find rest in God. Set free to follow Jesus in faith, hope, and love. Set free to keep watch with Jesus as we seek to be his body, his hands, and his feet in the world. And as we do so, we find incredible comfort in the fact that God, by his spirit, is watching over us and watching with us. God never gets exhausted watching over you, being with you. In Psalm 121, one of my favorite psalms, the psalmist writes that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, watches over you and does not slumber. And the Lord will watch over your life and he'll watch over your coming and your going now and forevermore. So as you continue this rough and tumble journey of following Jesus, especially in these times where you might be feeling exhausted, may you remember and internalize this good news that we've talked about today, that Jesus knows your exhaustion. He experienced it in your place as your representative, and that through his death and resurrection and ascending of the Spirit, he gives you everything that you need, including friendship with God as a free gift. And by his Spirit, he's with you even now, watching over you, extending that hand of friendship to you in the, 
in the daily mundane moments. As I close today, I would love to use a benediction from the book of 1 Thessalonians. It's the book we've been walking through every weekday in our 242 Live. Uh, we'll be starting 2 Thessalonians uh, tomorrow. But this benediction is beautiful as Paul closes up this letter. He says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.